Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Tuesday, October 31st. Happy Halloween. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, Georgia's Department of Human Services is being accused of trying to send troubled foster kids to detention centers. State lawmakers will get an update on the status of the state's electronic voting system. And have you noticed ticket prices on the rise? The state house panel has too, and is looking into what can be done about it. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. Georgia juvenile court judges testified to systemic failures within the state's Division of Family and Child Services during the second hearing of U.S. Senator John Ossoff's probe into Georgia's foster care system. GPB's Sophie Gratis has more from yesterday's hearing. Putting foster kids in youth detention facilities is illegal in Georgia, even if there's nowhere else for them to go. But that's exactly what the commissioner of Georgia's Department of Human Services, Candace Bros, suggested doing, according to Georgia juvenile court judges. That includes Judge Carol Altman from Paulding County, who said the state needs to find other options for kids with complex behavioral health needs. It's loud. It's clangy. The sounds rattle. It's scary. And so for a low-level offender, because we can't find a placement, these children are then being exposed to a lot more difficult circumstances. Gross later denied that she encouraged judges to break the law. All three judges alleged lack of oversight from DFACS, which says it's short-staffed. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Gratis. A federal grand jury has indicted an Alabama man for threatening Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis and Sheriff Pat Labatt. Charges against 59-year-old Arthur Hansen II of Huntsville were announced yesterday. Hansen allegedly left threatening voicemails for Willis and Labatt for their roles in investigating former President Donald Trump. A panel of state lawmakers will meet tomorrow to discuss the state's electronic voting system. GPB's Stephen Fowler previews the meeting of the Georgia Senate Ethics Committee. There are opponents to Georgia's electronic ballot marking devices on both sides of the political aisle. They argue the machines are vulnerable to hacking and instead push for hand-marked paper ballots. The hearing Wednesday afternoon will be to get an update on the status of a patch to fix vulnerabilities found in the Dominion voting system software by a researcher in an ongoing federal lawsuit against the machines. The Secretary of State's office is piloting that patch in a handful of counties before the 2024 election. They maintain the system is secure and trustworthy. For GPB News, I'm Stephen Fowler. As ticket buyers pay inflated prices for popular shows, ticket sellers in Georgia are fighting over how to regulate the market. Greg Green of the Atlanta music venue The Masquerade says the problem is secondary sellers like StubHub. He told a statehouse panel yesterday he put a concert for next April on sale last Friday, and now hundreds of tickets are up for resale at 10 times the price. Does anyone think that these are from people who can't find a babysitter in April of 2024? It's not. These are companies who have gone in, bought these up, and are looking to take advantage of the consumer. A representative for StubHub said the site gives consumers more choices to buy and sell. 
One of the largest employers in Rome's Floyd County has announced a $22 million expansion. The county's development authority said today that auto parts supplier F&P Georgia plans to expand its facility because of new contracts with automakers Honda and Tesla. The news comes a day after county officials announced Microsoft is planning a $1 billion data center in Floyd County. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org slash podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. Governor Brian Kemp is asking federal lawmakers to back another Savannah Harbor deepening project. Kemp wrote Georgia's congressional delegation yesterday requesting funds to study the project's economic and environmental impacts. The request comes a year and a half after a billion-dollar, decades-long deepening project to serve larger ships officially ended. Earlier this year, a local dispute over who could fish on a stretch of Georgia's Flint River prompted a new law meant to ensure public access to state waterways. But as GPB's Grant Blankenship explains, the law may have only muddied the water. The horizon of a long, low-speed waterfall curls out of sight. As Alan Ragsdale tells me, I need to pay attention. We're definitely going to pinball off some rocks down here, so just stay centered up. Ragsdale is a longtime fishing guide on the Flint River. He safely rode us from the public boat ramp a mile upstream through this chunk of a place called Yellow Jacket Shoals and into the heart of a running argument. Everything down on this side, you're free to fish and swim. That's on one side of an imaginary line running through the stream bed. Across the line is private property. You'd have to have a GPS and look on a map to know where it splits between there. The no fishing signs are the only hint. Ragsdale says it was in the mid-2000s when a Department of Natural Resources enforcement officer showed up at his house. Told me I could not fish a certain section of river. I was told I'd be locked up for criminal trespass if I was seen in there again. Yellow Jacket Shoals landowners had their own conflicts. One fired a gun at a family of kayakers. He's serving prison time. Later, that gunman's brother, attorney Ben Bruton, took a different tack. He sued the state to get what he wanted. A settlement agreeing he owns the fishing rights to a piece of the Flint River flowing by his land. Members of the Georgia House are still talking about that. Prettiest unspoiled rivers in the state. In early fall, a special House study committee convened at a microbrewery in West Georgia's Meriwether County to figure out how to enforce the law that passed after Ben Bruton got his way. Okay, so slide 19, we have uh, the language of SB 115 right there. SB 115 was meant to make Bruton's case a one-time thing by reiterating the state owns the riverbed of navigable rivers. But there was a hitch. SB 115 gave no definition of navigable. Attorney April Lipscomb of the Southern Environmental Law Center offered a few. The United States Supreme Court has actually said that questions of navigability... First, the federal definition. If a river was likely used by people for trade and commerce in 1788, when Georgia became a state, it's navigable today. But Georgia has its own 19th century definition with a far narrower scope, based in part on how well a river moves tons of freight. Scott Robinson is head of fisheries for the Georgia DNR. 
He told lawmakers to know what DNR calls navigable. Look where DNR maintains boat ramps, like the one Alan Ragsdale and I used upstream of Ben Bruton's property in Yellow Jacket Shoals. And basically anywhere we put a boat ramp, uh, we do consider downstream of there to be open to public use. SELC attorney April Lipscomb says this muddle leaves the situation primed for more lawsuits. There is no really easy way for anglers or boaters or anybody to know definitively which streams are navigable and which streams are non-navigable unless they go through the court system. And that could mean fighting over access in court one river at a time. And as more Georgia green space is bought and sold, Lipscomb says lawsuits can imperil any of our chances to float someplace wild. Ben Bruton, whose lawsuit is at the root of the dispute, was at the first House committee hearing. And to some degree, he and Lipscomb apparently agree. This is a slippery slope that we're on, and people need to recognize that today it's a fish, tomorrow it's going to be something else. The Georgia House Committee on Fishing and Freshwater Resources wraps up its statewide listening tour in December. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Macon. Georgia is bracing for its first big winter freeze of the season. The National Weather Service in Peachtree City says temperatures are expected to drop below freezing tonight in parts of the state roughly north of Interstate 85, including areas around Atlanta. A freeze warning tomorrow night and Thursday morning warns of potential damage to crops, sensitive vegetation, and unprotected outdoor plumbing. Other parts of the state will chill as well, with tomorrow's forecast lows of 35 in Albany, 40 in Savannah, and 38 in Waycross. The National Weather Service in Jacksonville calls the Halloween cold snap a ghoul down. And in sports, former Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett likely won't play for the Los Angeles Rams this season. That's the word from Rams coach Sean McVay. Bennett has been away from the Rams since the preseason for undisclosed reasons. In basketball, the Atlanta Hawks beat the Minnesota Timberwolves last night, 127 to 113. And Game 4 of the World Series takes place tonight in Phoenix between the Arizona Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers. The Rangers lead the series two games to one. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. We hope you have a safe and happy Halloween. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit our website, gpb.org news. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We will be back tomorrow with more of the top stories from the Peach State. If you've got feedback, we would love to hear from you. Email us. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.